Let's pray together. Dear Lord, help us to look to the cross for our salvation. Uh, First, to know that we need saving uh, and that that wealth and status uh, or zip code uh, or even family uh, can't save us. But you have in Jesus and his work on the cross. Sear that into our minds and hearts and let us uh, run to the cross and cling uh, to it uh, in thanks and in praise for what you've done. And then we can move forward into the world and live in freedom, uh, not trying to prove ourselves to you, not having to prove ourselves to anyone else, but to live in freedom and in love and in peace uh, and enjoy even amidst conflict and challenges. Uh, Because we know it's not what we've done, it's what you have done. And we know on our worst days how much you love us and on our best days what you have done for us. And it's not about us, it's about you. Teach us that. Convict us of that. Truly, it will change us. It will change these people, us, this church, churches, the world. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. And thank you all. Have a seat. Uh, it is nice when we sing together, when the people of God join in song Uh, We do encourage you to sing. Uh, We do encourage you to just get moved by the Spirit, I believe, uh, through the words of the song. I close my eyes a lot of time. But just give yourself up and sing together as a church. Thank you all for being here. Turn to Acts chapter 2 in your Bibles. We're going to be there and stay there uh, this morning. Acts 2. We are starting today a new series uh, during this Lenten season, uh, over the next five or six Sundays. And we're calling this series, Make It Plain. Uh, Make It Plain. Now, I I love uh, that phrase. Uh, I've known uh, that phrase for for several years, and you're like, what does it mean? Uh, A buddy of mine, uh, who was raised uh, in the black church, uh, told me uh, one time, he's like, he, he loved going to church, Sitting in the pews, I know we got chairs, pews, chairs, I know, big decision. Sitting in the pews, and uh, he would always hear, make it plain, preacher. I mean, I can't, you know, say, make it plain, preacher. And that always stuck with me, make it plain, preacher. I mean, we need some make it plain here, amen? I mean, come on, come on, give it to me, make it plain, make it plain, preacher, make it plain. And so uh, that, that phrase has always uh, stayed with me. I, I think there's much we can learn uh, from uh, what would be said as a uh, traditionally black church, although, praise God, churches uh, are more and more the church and not a white church or a black church. But uh, he said, you know, that uh, vocalizing uh, that, uh, it's, there's a beauty to it. There, there's, a, there's a praise to it. Make it plain. And what we want to do is, is make it plain uh, over this Lent season uh, that Jesus saves That we need saving. That he saves us by the cross. We love the empty tomb. I mean, we do. I mean, I do. You know, you don't have to fear death. Um, We have victory over death. We rise again, and and we do amen that. But to get to the empty tomb, you've got to go through the cross. And guess what? You know, newsflash shocker, to have new life, you've got to die. Make it plain, to have new life, and we want new life, well then some things have to die. 
you know, my wife uh, said after our Ash Wednesday service, she's like, you know, I love the service, and, you know, you do need to say it like this, you know, correcting me, lover, amen, praise God. But she was like, you know, one way you can't put it, I was like, I was, just, I was saving that to Sunday, baby, you know. Well, that's what I said. I said, you know, kill the sin, put it to death, put it to death. To have new life, you got to die. The best sermons in history, the best sermons in history, always point us to the cross. And so over this, uh, this Lent season, we are going to look at the best sermons uh, in history. And they happen to be in the Bible, uh, in God's Word. We're going to look through and stay in the book of Acts. Book of Acts. Uh, Acts is uh, one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's actually really like a part two of one book, Luke and Acts, same author, Luke, uh, the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Acts, uh, the work and the literal acts of the Holy Spirit, uh, first and foremost, and then men and women empowered uh, by the Spirit, their acts. And so, actually, if you look at the book of Acts, uh, it is, uh, it's really a book of a series of, of sermons. Uh, there are many sermons. I, I would argue that there may be more, more spoken dialogue in Acts like preaching uh, than any other book in the Bible. You could debate that. I'm not saying that. But uh, you could argue that point. So we're going to take each week a specific sermon, a preaching, a brother, making it plain, as today Peter will, and, and see that it points us to the cross. Again, we love the resurrection. To get there, we have to go through the cross. Uh, so the book of Acts, again, it's really part two, Luke and Acts, and it's, it's really like a book of sermons, preaching to us uh, the good news, um, but taking us to the cross. So we'll start in Acts 2, uh, not in Acts 1, although read Acts 1, I encourage you to do that. But give you some context, really set up the scene. I mean, we are fast-forwarding after the cross and after the resurrection and after the ascension. So Jesus died, He's rose again, 40 days, ascended into heaven. That's where we are right now. He told His disciples uh, to wait, to wait on the Holy Spirit, to go to an upper room in Jerusalem and, and to wait there. And His disciples followed Him and they are there waiting. What happens then, let's start in, uh, in chapter 2, verse 1. We're really going to go through most of this entire chapter today, so, so bear with me. Uh, and look what happens. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Holy Spirit is sent down, comes down in full. Uh, some of you may question, well, was the Holy Spirit never present on earth uh, before? No, you go all the way through the Bible, Old Testament. The Spirit is working, acting. But now the Holy Spirit comes down in full as the Third person of the Trinity, you had God the Father, the Old Testament, Jesus the Son, and now the Holy Spirit comes down and anoints these disciples uh, with, with power, uh, changes 
uh, their lives, changed their lives. They had been changed, but they are changed even further. And, and look what happens. Uh, pick up verse 5. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. At this sound, the multitude came together. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, bear with me, a lot of hard words, Egypt, that's an easy one, parts of Libya, belong to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretans, Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to other, what does this mean? Others mocked them, saying they are filled with new wine. Now, I want to intentionally uh, say all those, um, those languages, those nations, those peoples, because the Holy Spirit comes down and anoints them with power, and they start preaching or singing or speaking in other tongues. And this begs the question, I mean, if I were you, I'd ask a question. Well, would you believe this is possible, preacher? Or where does this church stand on that? Other languages uh, or tongues? Uh, let me say this. Uh, never seen such an occurrence uh, like this. Uh, I have, however, uh, had pastors... Uh, and older, wiser mentors who have told me that they have. Uh, one uh, gentleman, man of God, pastor, planted two churches, uh, told me that one time he was, I don't know where he was, I don't know if his mission trip, may have been in his own church, and that a brother just busted out in Spanish, you know, and didn't know Spanish, uh, you know, no background in Spanish, but started proclaiming in Espanol. And I would trust this man. So have I seen this? Uh, no. Do I believe it can happen? Uh, yes. Uh, I would say this to make it, make it plain. You know, people ask me all the time, like, well, bellwether, you know, charismatic, what do y'all, you know, you know, should I raise one hand, both hands? You know, I know, big decision. You know, it's a big decision or not. You know, close my eyes. I see it. I mean, seriously, it's like a big decision for some of y'all. And it's okay. I would say it like this. Uh, this is how I am, and I, I think this is, Kind of like how Bellwether is. I, I believe we're charismatic with a seatbelt, okay? Make it plain, make it plain. Charismatic with a seatbelt, you know? And uh, some of y'all are like, man, I want to take the seatbelt off. Hey, go ahead, okay? That's okay. Some of y'all are like, I don't know if I want to get in that car. Hey, we want you in the, we want you in the car or we want you on the road at least and uh, we'll catch up. But I do believe in the power of the Holy Spirit uh, that impacts and, and I do believe you kind of got to wear a seatbelt. We can go into that. That's Paul talking 1 Corinthians. But so this is happening, and it is changing uh, these uh, people's lives. But the primary reason I believe that it, it mentions all of these, these people, these nations, is that it's foreshadowing that the gospel will be proclaimed, will be made plain uh, on every nation, to every tribe, to all peoples. So it is giving us a taste. It's showing this is what's going to happen. It's going to go to all tribes, all nations, all languages. One of the biggest blessings uh, of my ministry in my life, uh, I mean, I love global missions and all that, and, and I've been able and been fortunate enough to preach in different churches, Honduras, India, 
But, but the largest gathering uh, that I've been able to, to preach at was in Malawi, Malawi in Africa. And it was after, uh, I went several years ago, my wife and I, and, you know, so nobody else was able to see this, and I wish some were, because it was just a, a powerful evening. And we drove out in, in the middle of boondocks, whatever you want to call it, but, you know, in the sticks, you know, forgive me, but like, in the sticks, and we showed the Jesus film, not me and my wife, the group we were with, and if you're familiar with the Jesus film, uh, it is a, is a film that's made famous because they, they put different languages uh, of like literal tribes, and you have missionaries that their call is to take this film uh, into the remotest parts of the earth, put up the screen, I mean, I love movies, and, and show it and gather people and it has made a profound, powerful impact uh, church, capital C church, uh, since it was first begun, I believe in the 70s. Uh, so same film, so you know, you've got 70s actors and all that, I mean, which I dig the 70s. But anyway, same film, and there are no subtitles. So, you know, my wife and I, the team we're with, we're with we, we have to sit through, you know, and it's in Malawi. I, forgive me, don't know the language. But it's Malawi language, which they have several, tribal, and watch it. But... A lot of folks have shown up, uh, like, like literally thousands. Now, now, that's preacher's count. Like, when we say thousands, that's like a thousand and three, okay? But, you know, th- you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people. I got some staff saying amen on that. But there's a lot of folks, so hundreds, you know, maybe thousands, thousand four. But a lot of folks had gathered around, were watching this film. And then it was my honor uh, to preach. And you don't have to preach a lot after that. You know, the story's been told. But you do offer an invitation, and there were no preachers count. I mean, like, like hundreds that were responding and coming up, and it, I had a translator. But, uh, you know, I, I always think about that in this passage, that, you know, going to ends of the earth, going to the most remote places, two tribes, proclaiming the gospel and, and people responding. And, and so this is showing that's going to that's gonna happen. It's going to be made plain uh, in every language to every person. And then we get to the sermon that we will uh, we'll focus in on today. A man, Peter, common man, uh, uneducated man, uh, probably got into some bar fights. I mean, I'm, I'm not joking on that. I mean, I think that Peter was, was that type of dude. Um, was saved, and now he's empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he, he boldly began to make it plain and to preach. Let's see what he does. Verse 14, it says, Peter standing with the eleven lifted up his voice in boldness and addressed them. Men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. These people are not drunk, as you suppose, and it's only the third hour of the day. He probably would know of those things, Peter. But what is uttered through the prophet Joel In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens about and signs on the earth below. Blood, fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I need you to get this. Peter, again, uneducated and common, yet he takes them back to the Bible. 
to the prophet Joel. Takes them back to Scripture, and he also takes them to the future, saying that young men and old men will be given vision and power, will be anointed by the Spirit. Uh, what that says, he's not just preaching and making it plain to the people of Jerusalem. He, he's saying it to us. God has just begun with you, whether you are young or whether you are old. He gives vision. He gives gifts. He will use you. Everyone can be a leader for Christ. Peter's saying this. We may seem common. You may not take us seriously, Peter's saying. And God pours out his spirit and his gifts on his people. Then he keeps on preaching it. Verse 22. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and signs that God did through him. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. I want you to catch what Peter has done here in making it plain. He said, you killed Jesus to unbelievers. Now let me say this to you. Probably not like the best tactic in talking to a, a non-believer or unbelieving friend to say, you killed Jesus. Amen? I mean, I, I don't think that's a great tactic. Peter's bold enough to go there, and you may be too. It's, it's not like it ain't the truth, because it is. We all killed Jesus. When we say that Jesus died for us, for our sins, he went to the cross for our sins. He went to the cross for us. So that the things that are in us is, yes, what killed him. He was willing to die. So Peter's not just saying it in the sense of, like, you nailed the nails in his hands. He's saying it to everybody. He's saying it for himself. He's saying it for us. But he then says the good news. God raised him up. It was impossible for him to be held by the pangs of death. He goes on and takes them uh, back and back to Scripture, even to David. And then uh, he closes, and we'll skip to verse 36. He closes and, and says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now you might say in that, well, Lord and Christ, I mean, isn't it the same thing? No. What Peter is saying there is he's saying, Lord, like Lord of all the earth, the heavens, the universe, Lord of all, and Christ for you personally. See, the meaning, the Greek little word for uh, Christ was Christos. Christos, now it sounds familiar, but it meant Savior, like personal Savior. And, and the slogan, the saying back then was always Kaiser Christos, meaning Caesar, Kaiser Christos. And church history, uh, the early Christians would, would literally be lined up and be asked a simple question. Is Kaiser Christos or is Jesu Christos? And if they said Jesu Christos, they'd be killed. They'd be martyred. Uh, some of us think, well, we don't have martyrs today. Check out last weekend, last Sunday. People bold enough to say, Jesus is Christ. He saves me. So when he says Jesus is Lord, he's Lord of all, as we sang about. He's Christ, your Savior, for you personally. Because it's both global and cosmic in scope, and it's personal for you. 
That's the gospel. So Peter proclaims this. Peter makes it plain. I want to talk a bit here about like sermons in general, like, like what I do, but what you can do uh, in a life. I mean, preaching doesn't mean just standing up you know, on a Sunday. We can preach with our actions, but words do matter. Words matter. Ask Brian Williams. You know, words matter. And so your words are going to matter. And so when you preach the gospel, if you believe the gospel, it's like, what do you say? You know, what is a sermon? What is it? What is, that? What is a sermon? Let me say a few things that a sermon is not. Real quick, if you'll just bear with me. Like, like a sermon is not a TED Talk, okay? A TED Talk. I, I love TED Talks. Uh, watch them uh, all the time. But I say that, that, you know, that is, that is speaking. And, and I remember both professors and pastors have told me this, that there is a difference between speaking and preaching. And just because you speak may not mean that you can preach or that you do preach. And, and it's real important that you get that. I mean, it's not like a, a speaking deal. It's, preaching is, is different. A, a sermon is not, catch this, I mean, it's not like just a, a motivational speech. Although, a sermon should motivate and inspire. I mean, for example, my favorite verse, or one of my favorite verses, is Philippians 4.13. I know what that is. It's classic. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. So, I mean, literally, like, every Sunday, I or, or we, others, can say, like, you know, you can just pick your poison. Um, gambling, or, or getting out of debt, uh, or some lust issues. Uh, or porn, or drugs, or alcohol, or marriage is a wreck, or, you know, la-di-da-di-da. You know, do that. Hey, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Hey, that is true. But you need to take that verse in its context, and you're like, well, if I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me, then it's just my effort. I can, I can do it. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. And if it's effort-based, I said this Wednesday night, you will fail. Many of you already, you know, you quit something. I'll raise my hand here. I quit something Wednesday night, okay? You know, fell through by Friday. Effort back. I can, I can, I can. The reason that verse is what it is, I can do all things in Christ's strength, is like you really see what Jesus has done. It's grace-driven, not effort-driven. And you have to think about that. You can ponder that and those things that you want to quit or those things that you want to do, they're going to come back. It's going to be painful. Like, that's why you need a church. But you can, you, know, you can speak like that and just pick your topic. Hey, you can do all things through Christ strengthens me. And good stuff. You know, good stuff. Preaching's different. You're like, well, how is it different? I mean, because, you know, we want to stop some of those bad things through Christ. Preaching's different. Here's why. Five things. Write these down. Five things. Real simple Preaching is proclaiming something, first off. You are proclaiming something. You are proclaiming truth. Peter does this. God made him Lord and Christ. You're proclaiming the gospel. You're saying this is a fact. This is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. John 14, 6. It is not that Jesus is a way in many ways. It is not that Jesus is the way for me. You're making a bold proclamation 
that you know, as Jesus told us, uh, will divide sometimes family and friends, but you're, you're making a proclamation. This is the truth. There is gray in our world. There's gray in our lives. But there are some things, the most important things are black and white. Jesus is Lord. He's Christ. He is the way. So you're, you know, preachers bold and saying, this is the deal. You may not agree, but we're proclaiming it. We're proclaiming it. Making it plain. Uh, preachers, you know, were first in history called, uh, and I love this, heralds. That they would herald good news. Sound familiar? I love Christmas. Hark thee. Herald. The angels came to herald the good news. That they're proclaiming something. It's, it's not like a discussion. It's not like, well, that's interesting thought, you know, or let's ponder this. First and foremost, it's a proclamation that not everybody will agree with. Many will, but not everybody will. It's just, that's the gig. It's a proclamation. Preaching, though, also points, points to Scripture. What did Peter do for this uneducated man, Joel, David? And they didn't have the New Testament then. He pointed back to Scripture. Words matter, and the words, when you preach, should point us back to the Word of God. It should be saturated by the Word of God and to the living Word that is Jesus Christ. Preaching points us to Scripture. Helps us understand it more. Uh, to dig a little deeper. Uh, to know it more. It should point us to God's Word and to the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ. We proclaim, it points to Scripture. Preaching should be bathed in Prayer. Prayer. You see this in this passage? Before this brother got up to make it plain, they are in the upper room together. Uh, I would guess, it doesn't say it explicitly, but they're praying. You're like, how do you know they're praying? Well, the Holy Spirit comes down. I think they continue to pray in other tongues. I mean, this, this brother in this sermon is like bathed in prayer. Uh, one thing I do, I do it more any other day of the week, Sunday morning, I get up, I don't even start thinking about my sermon, I just look into God's Word and I pray. An extended time of prayer. God's convict me, he's like, brother, you need to do it every day. I'm like, I know, I'm not there yet. But Sunday, man, I'll bathe this thing in prayer. We pray before and at the end of sermons. Uh, I I would beg you, uh, I I beseech you to pray for me on Sunday mornings. And what we need, and I'm just going to call it out right now, we need a prayer team to be praying through the entire service. That rotates. I would love to see us have a prayer team back here all through the service, just praying for protection, for anointing, for power. So if that's something you're like, man, you know, you just you just struck a chord in me. That's what I can give this church. Amen. Hallelujah. We need it. We need it on a rotating basis because I don't want everybody to miss our worship time. So that means we need many. But let me just say that. It can't just be like prayers of of me, prayers of staff, you know, my wife, we need to be praying for these worship services. Preaching is bathed in prayer. And preaching should, catch this, some of y'all may not like it, preaching should push you. It should push you to places where where you may not want to go. Actually, you won't want to go. I mean, this sermon here, he's pushing these folks. And he ain't soft. You know, in making it plain. He's saying, you killed him. You need to believe this. 
Now, he's anointed with power and prayer and the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit's working through him. But it should push you, take you out of your, your comfort zone. Think outside of the box. What do you mean think outside of the box? Well, many of us just think that, like, we're really, really good. You know, you're really, really good. I mean, I was talking to somebody this week, and, you know, I even thought about that. You know, you know it just seems often that people are, you know, they're, they're, they're just good. Now, outside of our comfort zone, I was like, well, we need saving. We need saving. Jeremiah calls the heart a wicked thing. That's like outside my comfort zone, okay? That you need saving. Something else that you can't save yourself. Something else that pushes me and pushes you. I mean, you know, what do we want out of our life? What do we want our lives to be? Well, many, and I fall into this trap, it's like, hey, I kind of want a, uh, uh, you know, good career, uh, stable income, a good house, and if I need to fix my house, it'll go smoothly. Uh, kids, right school, uh, grow up, right college, retirement plan, coast, you know, enjoy retirement, enjoy watching the kids grow up, and then no hell. You know, no hell. That's it. That, that's our dream. It's not the dream of the men and women in Acts. It's not the dream of the men and women who, who make it plain. That they give their life to something. The gospel the kingdom of God. And, and I would say this, for, for those who have, you know, the American dream, many still want, many still have the void. There's something inside of us. So preaching should push you. Say, what do you want out of this life? God knows what you need. Can you trust him? Can you trust him over yourselves? And then the last thing is that preaching leads to Power. Power. What happens here? Peter leads them to the power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So in God's word, in God's word proclaimed by broken vessels. And y'all, I mean, I'm I'm a broken dude. But God uses broken men and women, you, to preach in pulpits or on stages or in churches or in coffee shops or around the dinner table. And your words matter. Your words matter. Proclaim points to Scripture, bathed in prayer, pushes us, leads to power. And the last couple things I want to say, when this happens, when this happens, there are, there's, there's a result. There's a result. We see two results here. The first is, is a response. Because the people ask, Verse 38, verse 37. Brothers, what shall we do? The people ask, what shall we do? And Peter gives them an answer. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. When preaching happens, there is a response. People say, well, what should we do? And Peter lays it out. Repent. Uh, that, that's a very, that can be a very challenging word. That's a controversial word. Repent meaning like, you know, oh, I need to repent of something. Yes, to make it plain. Repent means I need to make, I need to repent of something. Yes, today, every day, our lives should be based in repentance. You know, like what is repentance? Saying, hey, I'm not God, you are. Repentance is, hey, forgive me for being God. You know, C.S. Lewis said, 
you never know how bad you really are until you try really, really hard to be good. Ever done that? You know? Again, go back to if you want new life, you got to die first. We don't, we don't really think about it. If you want new life, you got to put to death some things first. Repent. And then he says, be baptized. Are we baptized here? We celebrate baptism here? I was asked, uh, um, sitting down with somebody, you know, why do y'all, why do we baptize? Well, Jesus was baptized. He told his disciples then and now to go and make disciples, baptizing them. So we baptize. Every one of you needs to be baptized. I ask you, pray about if you hadn't been baptized. Wonderful opportunity. Easter morning, right here. We're going to celebrate baptisms. Do it, not because I say so, do it in prayer that the Holy Spirit convicts you. But there is a response. Repent and be baptized. And, and often, here's the hardest thing that happens. This is what's happened to some of you right now. Because I used to have this thought over and over and over again. Because we are, and I am, I'm the word, anti-authority figures. And I'm, I'm sitting out there sometimes, many some of them are like, you know, man, dude, you know, you were just blowing smoke, okay? You know, how do you know this? You know, you, you think you're so much, you know, you think you know all this stuff. Who are you? You're not the Bible, no. You're not Jesus, no. Then why would you tell me what I got to do? You know what? When we say those things, I mean, that is, that's why we need the cross. That's why we need the cross. That rebellion, guilty as charged. That want to be God, guilty as charged. And I've thankfully needed men and women in my lives to preach it, to make it plain to me over and over again. That continues to break me of my rebellion. And I repent. Now, last thing. There is another result. It's individual and it's a community. It's a corporate. It's a, it's a family. And I want to read these last couple verses in Acts 2. Look at this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together, had all things in common, They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's a result of making it plain, a community. Oh, and by the way, uh, there was preacher's count here, over 3,000 at that point. 3,000 baptized, and then the last verse, day by day, more were added. You know, there's this debate in church like, well, hey, are we about evangelism or are we about discipleship? Evangelism is like reaching people for Christ, baptizing people for Christ, or discipleship, growing people for Christ. Well, the Bible gives churches that do both, and there is no either or. Reach people for Christ day by day, people repenting, being baptized, even if you only have a couple baptism services a year. You know what I'm saying? People being baptized, and they're growing together in discipleship. The Bible, you have both. And oh, by the way, this church in Jerusalem, it hit 50,000 in three years. 
In less than 10 years, it was at 150,000. The work of God. They were, uh, they were a community, but they were not just community. And this is the last thing I will say. See, often our vision of church, like, well, I want to be in a church, I want to grow a church for, like, me and my family so we can, you know, have the American dream. And, oh, yeah, we can be a community. And we can have kind of our spiritual supper clubs. Uh, and, and we know where we're going on, on, on good games and, and big sports events. And, and you know, we can have our, our time with our community here. And, oh, this is a place where my kids can grow up uh, and my youth. And we'll be, we'll be a family, you know. And, and that's what I want. Our mission, you need to really hear me say this. Our mission should not be to grow a community. We should be a community that is on mission for the gospel to make it plain for the kingdom of God. Let me say this again because this is what we can get really caught up on. Our mission should not be to grow this community for my family, our family, our family so that we can have this nice life, okay? We are a community on mission for Jesus to make it plain for the city and for the world. I always say this. I don't really want a great church. I want a great city. And what can our church do for that city? You know, I don't want anybody to say, you have a great church. No, we have a great God. Period. And sometimes a trap we can fall into, they'll probably listen to podcasts. My parents' church falls in this crap. Other churches fall in this trap. It's like, yes, our mission is to grow this community for our family. And it's really, you know, hunky-dory and everything's good. That ain't my mission for life. Just letting you know. I want to grow a community that is on mission in India or Honduras or Jackson to change families' lives, to heal, to make it plain, the gospel, to overcome rebellion in our hearts. And it does entail preaching by actions and words. So just, here's an invitation for you. First, simple, something you could do today. Repent. Repent. I'm going to repent today. Just saying, okay? Be baptized. We'd love to celebrate your baptism Easter morning. Think about it. Pray about it. And be a community on mission and not have your mission of this church just to be this community for your family. And together say, we be a community on mission. Something greater in this life, in this world. Kingdom of God, the gospel, individual and for the world. It's your invitation. Repent, be baptized. A community on mission. Make it plain. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, give you thanks for your word. For the stewards of your word. Whether it be Peter, Paul, uh, pastors through generations. Uh, pastors who are not formal pastors yet mentor over a cup of coffee or a meal. Husbands, wives, dads, moms uh, that make it plain for their kids. I pray over the next six weeks you'd both make it plain to us as a church and individually and give us the clarity and the discernment uh, to make it plain to others that are in our world that we come in contact with. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen.